How was L.A.? Good. Really good, actually. It's good to be working again. You know, like in, in that um, manner. Like being mm-hmm. doing a whole series, like a whole show is nice. Yeah. But you realize after like not producing or directing for so long, you like you lo- you lose like your muscles. You're like, oh no, way. your mental muscles. You're like, oh, I'm like fucking exhausted, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Long days, right? Long days, just like million moving parts, and you just you forget that you do build up a um, tolerance for all right. that bullshit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. How have you been? Good. How is flying right now? If you fly Delta, it's phenomenal. They don't do middle seats, and they're like militant about masks. Okay. Um, they don't. They they give you like a bag of water and goldfish, and you know you can okay. pop them in your mouth if you want okay. to. But if you're not, they they're very militant. I did fly United and American once, and there was a tr- it was horrible. Like oh was, really? Yeah. I mean they're just packing it out. It's oh, awful. God. Um. So like Southwest Delta. I don't know about any other airlines, but those two have been great. Like I've been flying the whole pandemic and like I have felt very safe. I've yeah. not gotten it. You know, they, they contact trace and all that. And we've gotten no calls and anyone's had COVID. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's been great. That's a great fear of mine. Like I, I can't imagine right now going into a tube with a bunch of strangers and breathing their recycled air and all that, you know, it's just, it, yeah, you know, no, for I mean, if you don't need to fly then you shouldn't fly, but yeah. unfortunately my work is not, you know, in one place. So, yeah. but I've, um, I'd have no fear of it anymore. I mean, d- during like the heat of the pandemic when mm-hmm. like we all thought, you know, if you like touched a banana at the grocery store, right. you would die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we were wearing double masks and a face shield at the airport. Right. right. Um, and still sanitizing and wiping right. things down. And now we just, you know, I wear, I wear a mask, yeah. you know, with, with a filter in it and we wipe the area down, but yeah. That's it. I don't take my mask off. And, you know, I also haven't done any flights over three and a half hours. Right. So I can keep a mask on for that long and not yeah. take a sip of water. But, right. yeah, it's weird. It's all weird. Yeah. But everybody's getting vaccinated now, man. Everybody I know. down here in New Orleans. I got my like, first. I, I, I haven't first. met, I'm not meeting many people anymore that haven't at least gotten one shot, which is really. I've heard um, encouraging. Kunal sent me something the other day where where a bar is doing a promotion that if you go to their bar, there's a station where they'll give you shots and you get a shot and they'll give you a shot. That's awesome. alcohol. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't get more New Orleans than that, right? No, that's about that sounds about right. <laughs> Great idea. Um yeah. So I don't know. That's encouraging. It feels like the majority of people at least in this country are getting the shot i mean i know that there are those pockets of people that are for different reasons whether i agree with them or not you know have some fears or um precaution or taking precautions about it but we're not you know i'm I'm running a business down here now like an actual like um hospitality business and we Mm -hmm. don't everyone coming in has gotten at least a shot most people at this point are on their second which is great that's awesome yeah Amazing. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all going to grow like a, 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 four, a seventh finger, seventh and eighth, and like, you know, like toes. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take an extra finger to keep my, my lungs. Yeah. Me too. That's what I, that's what I was saying. Like, what's the word? I mean, I mean, I suppose that, you know, we all get, you know, <laughs> cancer in five months. 
but we're all going to get it, you know? And guess what? Then they'll cure cancer. <laughs> Watch how quickly they cure cancer. I mean, they'll have a great control group for experiments. You know? I mean, <laughs> that's the, the thing. It's like, you know, it just goes to show you when the rich are affected, things get done. Yeah. I mean, what people don't realize is like, for a vaccine to not only get approved, but to work in that amount of time yeah. means a bunch of white, rich-ass white people were going to yeah, die. Yeah, like, I want to open my business again. You better get on this. Which means they could apply that to climate change. Yep. Poverty. Yeah, of course. Cancer. Yeah. AIDS. Mm -hmm. every, you know, diabetes. It's all possible. There's just too much money to be made. Yeah. And until all the... All the powers to be are, you know, getting infected with diabetes. If that could ever happen, then it's not going to get cured. <laughs> anyway, there's our conspiracy. That's it for there. Today, we go, and uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. <laughs> what are we uh, doing today? Uh, we've got a couple couple topics. Um, let's dive into it. Okay. This is no politics at the dinner table. I'm Tony Biancasino, and I'm Amit Prakash. This week we're going to talk about two things that are in the news. Um, one is what's going on in Minnesota, once again. Um, and then the return to Washington of a certain Samantha Power. Let's go. All right. So we all have heard about this. Oof. This uh, The police can't help themselves. There's the Derek Chauvin trial a couple miles away, and they shoot this 20, 19 or 20-year-old 20, 20 guy, um, Duante Wright, um, traffic stop and so on. And, you know, there's been a mini-rebellion in the streets, um, predictable, justified even, I'd argue. Um there's been some looting and things like that. And of course the sort of the standard, uh, pablum is coming out from the police and uh, various politicians, uh, that, you know, we respect your right to protest and so on, but you no know, destruction of property is beyond the pale. Um, and apparently departments around the country are sort of girding themselves for what they see as, you know, another spate of, of, of protests and, per, and perhaps looting and stuff like that. So the LAPD put out uh, a statement, the sheriff there, so it's not the sheriff, I guess, it's, it's the LA County, um, it's, not, it's not the PD, it's the LA County Sheriff, but in any case, uh, he said, if you come, uh, people who are dressed like for tackle football with a helmet, goggles, and shields, you're not there to protest peacefully, right? Um, Okay, the same might be said for the police, how they show up to these things, too. Um, that they are not there to uh, keep the peace. They're there um, ready for a fight. Um, mm -hmm. and, and as in so many cases, uh, they escalate the situation. So also in Minnesota, um, a couple nights ago, you know, people broke. There was a curfew imposed and so on. And what do they do? You know, the one thing that you can do to take a crowd and, and a protest and turn it into a riot uh, is to fire tear gas. And so they shot tear gas into the crowd, and, and guess what? The crowd reacted. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I, it, at this point, it seems like a drone of killings that, uh, and I'm, 
and and it's a good thing that protesters are out because on on the other side of it we have these mass killings all the time mm -hmm. right that you know you know we're averaging a little over one a day in this country this year yeah um and we're quite frankly numb to that um so i'm wondering what your reaction was to this one it it's the same reaction i have to all of them i mean i I typically find out about these on Instagram, like on Sean King or Lee Merritt's thing. I see a picture of a young black boy, mm -hmm. and I just know before I read the caption, they just got killed. And it's horrible. Like, I feel sick in my stomach, and I read it, obviously. Um, yeah, frustration, anger, sadness. I mean, you can go through it. Um, but also kind of like helplessness. I just don't know. I mean, what, what 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 else are we supposed to do? I mean, I'm voting the right way. We're talking about it. Um, what I don't understand is like in most businesses, whether it's the Me Too movement or the Black Lives Matter or, you know, all of all of the social issues which we've ignored for a very long time. As, as as they come to light and we all have to check ourselves and our habits, including myself, not that I do anything, but in my work now, I am aware that mm -hmm. I just met this person. I don't know what they go by. I think mm -hmm. about all that now. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating, but I do it because that's what you're supposed to do. What I don't understand is as a police officer, you see a guy that's probably going to go to jail for the rest of his life for not shooting for kneeling and killing a guy how are you not approaching every stop now going okay <laughs> yeah i shouldn't kill this it's a black driver let's not kill him let's not kill him no matter what happens unless he points a gun at us let's do our best not to kill this guy and that gets us back to our um podcast with vitaly mm-hmm where it's there's no there's no solving this problem with training there's no solving this problem with money or um oversight the what you have to solve it by blowing it up and starting over and rethinking what policing is because i yeah. you know which we debated i i think policing in a specific way is super important but the way it's 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 gotten so far out of control in this country and there's no regard for like um responsibility or even um consequence they're just, they're not thinking about consequence here they i you watch the video there's no reason to have a gun or a taser drawn i don't care if the guy's saying i'm not getting out of the car that's no excuse to then taser someone there are ways to get this done and like the idea that these white cops still don't realize that a black man is terrified of you and the reaction is not going to be, yes, sir, no, sir. It's, oh, my God, they're probably going to kill me. Why are they pulling me over? It's just nothing's clicking with these morons. So yeah. that's where I'm at. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Why do the rest of us need to check ourselves? And, you know, if, if I were to do even a, a, if I were to call somebody a name at work, I would lose my career, let alone kill someone. And we have to think about that stuff. But why do these cops not have to do it? And that's what's really frustrating to me. And I think if people start realizing the amount of money we are actually paying us in lawsuits, that's our money. 
And I don't know how how we connect that to voters and people that are like blue lives. It's like, dude, you are paying for Imagine you paying for me if I'm a scumbag at work and you just have to keep uh, taxpayers to keep paying for my you guys would fucking throw me, you know, off the side of a boat in the middle of the Atlantic. We wouldn't yeah. even think about it. Yeah. I don't know. 100% agree with you. Um, right away, I went back to our discussion with Vitaly as well and his argument about the end of policing that that there's no there's certainly no tinkering at the edges. And and his argument is even deeper that uh, even some sort of structural fixes uh, aren't going to sort of resolve the issue because the problem is the mission of the police itself, which is the the discipline of the working poor. Mm -hmm. That's why they're there. Um, the police go to certain neighborhoods. They stop certain people. We know this, mm -hmm. right? They do not stop people on the Upper East Side. You know, I mean, th that that's, that's just not what they do, right? So it's a sort of targeted mission. Um, there's a couple of things, and, and what what can perhaps happen, and unfortunately, and this is why these, you know, the Supreme Court is so important, uh, is that the Supreme Court has, in the past few decades, increasingly given ever more license to the police to do things. Um, and one thing that we might kind of note here is that a lot of these deaths and killings mm -hmm. um, often happen around cars, right? They're often traffic stops um, that end up in a police murder. Um, and the reason for that is that the Supreme Court has given the police uh, the legal authority to do what they call pretextual stops. And a pretextual stop, so there was a case in 1996, uh, um, the uh, Wren versus the United States, and basically what the Supreme Court said was that an officer can stop any vehicle for whatever minor infraction it might be. You know, in this case, you know, there's there's competing stories. Uh, Duante Wright thought it was his hanging diet, his, his air freshener. Um, the cops eventually said it was expired tags, whatever. But something minor like that, and you can stop the car. But then after that stop, they can do anything that they want if they have um, an inkling that there might be other um, crimes afoot, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I smell weed, but blah, blah, blah. You're acting right? erratic. When you yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why, yeah, why, why are you so nervous? That sort of thing, right? Um, so, so then they can, you know, search the car and, and do all sorts of other things um, and then pursue other crimes. And then in 2015, um, the court in another case um, called Hyen versus North Carolina, they basically argued that even if the cops made a mistake, right, um, oh, no, actually, the, the, the tags weren't expired. <laughs> Even if they made a mistake on the stop, they can still pursue the crime if they thought that they were right initially, right? Like, my bad, but it was a good faith my bad, therefore, they can still pursue, right? So this gives the police so much authority to basically stop people for driving while black, right? You know, that, that this becomes the, the pretextual stop is, you know, is the unsaid thing is that, oh, no, no, we're not stopping you because you're black. Uh, it's because of, you know, it seemed like maybe you rolled through that stop sign, you know, whatever right. it might be, right? Um, one of the things, and there's this very, if people haven't read it, but there's this really important book that came out. It's kind of like a new classic called The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, mm -hmm. um, law professor. 
um, excellent book. But in, there's an anecdote that I find very telling in the beginning of that book. And in the beginning of that book, she, she's and she's married to a prosecutor, right? So she's a you know real police and and prosecutorial performer, and she's married to a prosecutor. And she talks about her fights with her husband and stuff like that. But one of the things she talks about in in this discussion is that the police can stop you in your car if you're going above the speed limit, right? So you're you know above the speed limit. That makes sense, right? They can stop you in your car if you're going below the speed limit because they wonder maybe is this person drinking and um, what's going on? Why aren't they going you know faster? And then they can stop you if you're going exactly the speed limit because nobody drives the speed limit and that's really, really suspicious. So effectively, they can stop you for anything, right? Um, and so one thing that people are talking about to just sort of take away this is 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 that um, reform on marijuana is going to cut the legs out of a lot of these searches because often you know the next step to sort of pursue people even further is you know oh do you have drugs on you do you have weed on you right and and that's what a lot of the sort of charges come from uh, so the the reform on marijuana might be a major reform on policing indirectly. Uh, so that's one thing. They'll find something else. There could. I there hear could. you. There could. I no, no. I, I, look, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to find a little silver there lining. There is none. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing, yeah. right? That's what we all want to do. We want to find these, this. We need more minority police officers. We need this. No, it's no, just that, none of that's real, right? That's, and what you're no, saying yeah. theoretically should work. It won't. I guarantee it, it will be something else because they're not really, most of these cases where these men are getting murdered, marijuana is not really a factor in any of this. And if, and if it's not that they'll say it's your behavior, it's your, you're being aggressive. When we started questioning them, we thought he was hiding something. We thought we saw a gun that, you know, that it will turn it because it's not about the marijuana. It's about the racism. Right. And, no, 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 no. But right. the, but the, uh, I would say that the policing of marijuana is racist. Right. You know, it's so, all so, racist. Yeah, what I'm, so. My point is the policing is racist. Yeah. At this point, yeah. we can no longer deny we can't do the not all cops thing. We just can't do it. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. Fundamentally, and you at all people know this <laughs> fundamentally and historically, the police are racist. And if it's never been corrected, then it's then you have to assume it's still rooted in how it began. It's the same with like not to get into a topic, but like when people talk about reparations or they talk about until you fix or or Native Americans, until you fix or or try to make up for the wrongdoing, it's still going to keep going on until you admit it, until you blow it up and restart. Uh, that's just American policy, and it's a new in in, in the in the scheme of in the in the in the larger you know idea of the world we're a fairly new young country so we just we see all our history it's it's all right there <laughs> there's yeah. no like you know thousands of years ago um and we're learning but yeah i'm 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 with listen to our podcast with vitali i mean I, I no longer will even i i as a voting citizen will no longer even hear about what will make it better. It has to just blow up. It, I def, defund is the only way for me at this yeah. point. Yeah, there. I mean, what you're saying reminds me of there's a great line from uh, James Baldwin where he says that not all things that can be confronted 
um, can, will be resolved, but mm-hmm. nothing can be resolved unless it's confronted. Bingo. And and that has not happened, right? That's so, what I mean. You know, that, yeah. So that's 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 true. But that said, but that I hear said, you. Yes. I, I th- there's different ways to sort of try to, you know. Maybe it could be death by a thousand cuts, right? Like one way to sort of defund the police and, sure. and, and, and narrow their their portfolio of what they do instead of like everything, you know, t- like monitoring everything is that, well, actually now, you know, marijuana is legalized. So don't talk about that with us anymore because, you know, you can't, right? Those little things um, cumulatively might might have an effect. Taking away weapons without right. a doubt. Um, another you. thing that was interesting and I just want to bring it up because it's coming from New Orleans. One of the strategies that community-based organizations are doing down in New Orleans is uh, free car repairs for minor things. So like if your tail lights out, they'll fix it for you because that's becomes the basis for a pretextual stop. So um, yeah, but here's the problem. Yeah. Half of the time until all cops have to wear body cams or cars have them. That happened to me in high school. I was arrested when I was 17 because the cop said a taillight was out and I was drinking. <laughs> I wasn't driving. I went home with a sober person. And we got pulled over and I was underage drinking. Right. I got taken in. I remember being in the back of his car and saying, what taillights out? I'm looking at it as my buddy pulled out and he wouldn't answer me. So like it, that again, sure. Yeah. But they're allowed to say, well, it was out. It came back on. And yeah. until these until we are and that's the sick part we need to actually be taping them to make sure that isn't that the thing could you imagine you as a professor we got to have cameras in Ahmed's room to make sure he's teaching history the right way yeah yeah that's essentially what we're talking about is like billions of dollars in technology just to make sure they do the right thing that's a real bad way to uh, move forward with a an institution yeah, no, I, I think that's that's true. I mean, the, <laughs> that this, is and crazy. this is this this is the thing is that even the taping doesn't work sometimes. Nothing, you know. You know? I mean that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I still can't believe that there is a Derek Chauvin trial. You know, I mean that. You know that that there's, there's... they've got an expert <laughs> on saying he followed protocol, yeah. and I got to tell you something. He probably did, <laughs> right? Because right. we've listened to some of the training, and he probably basically the training is kill them that's how they are trained yeah so i don't know it's frustrating and there's a trial we've all watched a video i even i haven't even met you know i know people that are like trumpers that are like oh yeah he killed he killed that guy Mm -hmm. i i have not had a debate you know everything we talk about here people know that me and you do this podcast everyone wants to debate in politics or whatever and i love it i can't find anyone to take this one on no one from any side so I'm wondering who, who you know, maybe the people that stormed the Capitol like this, but as, <laughs> right. as we saw, it's a small right. section right. of the of the wackos. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I guess the point, the initial question is, I'm real angry. Yeah, I'm like really. It's like I want to move. I want to. I want to. I want to take on poverty. You know, we have mm-hmm. glaciers melting. Uh, we've you, me and you can can can't even breathe. Our allergies are so bad. Like there are huge things that are going to affect everybody just like the and it's like we're coming off a fucking pandemic right we're coming off a fucking pandemic where like people weren't even allowed to drive for a while we're even allowed out of our house and what happens it kind of feels like the country's back and what do we do right back to what we were Mm -hmm. that's how screwed up we are right that's how like you said numb we we didn't we didn't come out of a pandemic where 
across the world, millions of people are dead. We all know someone through, you know, a friend of a friend or very close that is dead. They're dead. We we couldn't see our families for a year and a half. No hugging, no Christmas, no whatever holiday. And we come out of this, you would think, (laughs) for all those religious people out there, little baby Jesus, Allah, everyone's trying to give you a sign. No one cares. We're just right back to being rotten. So it's a it's a larger frustration I have, which is like, wow, I guess like we just need the earth just needs to kind of wipe us out when we just don't deserve it. We're just, it's like we're, it's giving us little signs like, you know, we were in time out for a year and a half by earth and we just are being bad again as soon as we're out of time out. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right. Let's 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 go to the next topic. Yeah, so <laughs> on a on a brighter note, this um, actually is a brighter note. This is, you know, so for those of you um, who have not heard of Samantha Power, Samantha Power um, is an Irish immigrant, very good friends United with uh, uh, Kissinger. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. buddy, but she goes to baseball games with Henry Kissinger, who uh, you know, wait the origi- before you start. the original Dark Vader who will never die. Before you start, uh, yeah, I mean. You loathe this person. Yeah, yeah. Like you more than this is why, like, when you one day get to go on TV as a pundit, <laughs> like you, the way you talk about her, it's like most people are like, yeah. who the hell is that? Like, yeah, you're yeah. like, I know yeah. what she's up yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. If I that know. ever happened, people would be like, wow, this guy's really weird. He's really obsessed with Samantha Power. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> obsessed with <laughs> <laughs> like, we're the should, only podcast. I don't think we should talk ever invite him on again. Um, okay. So, anyway, Samantha Power, she is. A journalist. She was a journalist. That's where she kind of cut her teeth on war reporting in Bosnia and stuff like that in the 90s. Um, And uh, then became a scholar and wrote uh, a very influential book in 2003 called A Problem from Hell, which was a history of U.S. foreign policy vis-a-vis genocide and basically how the U.S. has sort of... um, talk the talk but not walk the walk with regard to intervening and stopping genocides most notably um the rwandan genocide where the clinton administration did everything it could to not call it a genocide um so they wouldn't have to do anything that's exactly what happened so it's in a, in, in in a way that that is an interesting book and she's got some you know damning evidence about u.s foreign policy fine um eventually she becomes um you know a basically a diplomat for the Obama administration and then is the representative at, at the UN. But she's also um, a, a pretty key advisor in foreign policy um, and, and national security issues, interestingly enough. So the, the humanitarian bent um, is molded into the national security outlook. And this is why I can't stand Samantha Power so much, because she uses the language of sort of humanity 
um, and sort of uh, moral righteousness to drop bombs on people. Um, and um, and we have you know a friend of the pod, Sam Moyne, who's got a whole book called Humane uh, that's coming out about the new American way of war. That's precisely about exactly this. But but she was doing it before it's cool. Um, and and so right now the Biden administration is is bringing her back. Um, and she was shut out most recently. Um, obviously, there's administration change with Trump and everything, but also because she was one of the chief architects or at least chief cheerleaders. I don't, I don't know about architect, but definitely cheerleaders of the invasion of Libya um, and the bombing of Syria uh, in 2013. And, you know, those went swimmingly, right? Those went really well. Um, and she has yet to disavow those. She says that, you know, these are lesser evils. Rand Paul was just questioning her the other day uh, for this new appointment um, and saying, you know, do you, do, you, do you think those are a mistake? And she said no. Um, and so now she's being put up as the nominee to lead uh, USAID, which is the United States Agency for International Development. Um, you know, it's it's a for those who don't know, it's a department um, that has its origins really um, in in kind of soft power, I guess you could call it. It's giving sort of strategic grants and stuff like that to different people around the world to push what they think development in a certain country will be um, in the interest of American interests. Um, so it's not sort of <laughs> a purely humanitarian organization. It's very much part of the uh, U.S. foreign policy approach. And of course, the New York Times is describing this as that, oh, she's, you know, kind of been uh, demilitarized, right? She's in this completely neutral organization, USAID. Um, and one thing I wanted to point out, we were talking about the origins of policing and stuff like that. The origins of USAID come out of the Cold War um, and at the height of the Cold War. And there's an interesting nexus here with policing that with, with USAID, within that, there was something called the OPS, which is the Office of Public Safety, which existed from 1962 to 1974. The Office of Public Safety was U.S. police officers going across the world and training other police departments in U.S. practices, uh, also in harsh interrogations. And a number of these departments across the world um, used them to basically crush leftist movements and, and also um, movements of the sort of the radical wings of decolonization. Um, so the people who were disappeared in Argentina and Brazil and so on in the 70s were trained by OPS, which was USAID. Uh, so this so-called neutral organization um, that just does sort of humanitarian aid um, has a vicious past um, and also um, is completely uh, just a tool um, of effectively... Uh, above board bribes um, to other other powers and and quote unquote stakeholders across the world right to do the US bidding so that's where Samantha powers going and she's also going to be on the National Security Council right so I we've talked about this um, about how the Biden administration is doing some good things and uh, you know we're rating them pretty well so far um, but then they do things like this, and I just throw my hands up. I'm just like, this is more of the same. This is just I've the same old tune, right? That this this is somebody who wants the forever war, 
uh, and is now doing it even ever more sneakle, sneaky ways. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think what happens is like what we're realizing is American stomach for war is is not the appetite for war is not really good right now. So the pivot's going to be more drone, more cyber, uh, and it's happening to us. And it's it's like one of those things where I always find it funny. People get so it's part of the U.S. PR machine. But the PR machine is just for people here. Everyone else ever, around the world sees through the bullshit. We are we cyber attack plenty of countries. We meddle in elections. <laughs> we are actively dropping secret bombs on weddings, on gatherings to get you know one one or two people, but at the cost of civilians. That's just that's just that's just our policy. Um. So it makes sense that they would bring someone like her back. You know, typically, if you are progressing in the right direction, anybody that was part of Libya, anyone that was voted for either one of the two wars would not be qualified to lead the country anymore. Um, but again, we 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 as a country or our government is just so good at tying in your patriotism to you questioning right and wrong. And if you question it, you're, you're anti-American or you're talking shit about the troops. That's their, that's their, that's their gold card. It's like make it about the troops and you're supporting the troops. When really, if you support our troops, you would want them home with their families getting paid and just being ready in case someone attacks us. <laughs> you know, that that's what the troops should be for is to defend our homeland. Um, not to be used in bogus bullshit invasions and regime changes. So I don't know. It's just it's it. I look when Biden came into this, we're we've we've gotten so much better than what was in that White House, right? So we're happy right now. Mm-hmm. But like me and you have always said, and it's it's kind of the Obama four first four second four first four excited, big ideas, progressive, second four just four years of oh you're just a politician and you're disappointing you sound great but like you haven't done shit and like you have horrible policies still um my fear is that that's what biden will end up being although he's much more aggressive in his first four than obama was um you know there's multiple reasons for that obviously obama was coming as a black man with institutional racism and you know the, well, the game, the, the Republican Obama, had... Obama bet the farm on health care. That, yes. that was his thing. Yes. Right? That was the yes. first thing he did. He's bet everything, used all his political capital on that, and then paid yeah. for it ever since. Paid for it. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, dropped more drone bombs and Bush. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he, oh, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't help himself with progressives. But anyway, um, Biden's got some big things going on that I really like. And I, you know, this is one of those hires that is just like you're showing your bad habits <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know i i don't know enough about how, you know foreign policy i don't i don't have the background to be able to like know what you're supposed to do like when i see they're withdrawing all troops from afghanistan september 11th it's like i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i have no idea i'm not sure if then you know what I mean? I don't know if the country then goes to shit or is it, you know, does it help having us there? I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I just hope we, you know, you could see him teeing up China. 
they're teeing it up. I don't know what that's, that means. That's but man. Everything now out of the Biden is that our biggest threat is China. There's it's China. been this is. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. So, with regard to Afghanistan, I mean, I'm of the opinion that it's always good when an army walks itself out of a, another country that it's occupying. Right. Fair. So that's that's a sort of. A I good have no thing. problem adopting that. Yeah. Right. You know, and and the fact that the U.S. This is just an interesting, revealing stat about the United States. There's so many these days, but but this one is that the United States has over 800 bases in foreign countries, not just you know our country, sure. foreign countries. Um, there's 11 other countries in the world that have foreign bases, and all of their bases combined is 70. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have a hundred. You know. You know. Like we have. I mean. 11 times as many no, bases as those 11 countries China. combined, right? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And it's also, what China is trying to do. They're well, no. To just follow so, kind of our blueprint in a they're, way. They're, they're doing something different. And this is the thing, is that they're doing it through economics. Sure, they're buying. Right? And so, <laughs> and, this, and this, I think they have a very powerful argument, is that the U.S. is threatened because we're progressing more peacefully than they've ever progressed that we are getting greater global power and dominance um, over you know, Africa and places like that. Definitely squeezing and exploiting them. I'm not saying that this is a benevolent power. Sure. Um, but but they're but they're not doing it by you know invading Iraq you know and they're, well, they're not they're not they're not doing it. In, I think in people that way. in Hong Kong would disagree and I think people living in Taiwan would think there's any day they could come in there and try to overthrow. Okay, so but yes they're doing it both. I agree I, with you. I would bracket well then you could say Find Puerto Rico and Ferguson. Hundred percent. Right? That, that's, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they're following yeah. kind of our blueprint, but like you said, I mean, buying up Africa is genius for them because it's it, it. They're not they're not there to help. They're there to strategically gain uh, um, geographic power. Yeah, and that's what we do. They're just not bringing in armies. Yeah, exactly. So I, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. I totally yeah. agree. So so I mean, it's it's a form of power. That, make no bones about it but but it's not the same sort of military power that the u.s sort of uses and and depends on to sort of have an outsized sovereignty right is yeah. that it, it we've girded the earth and iron of our you know with our bases right? right that's that's our approach right that that and 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 you know if there's ever people who kind of look askance to what we're doing we just kind of remind them that by the way we've got 800 bases Right. And we've got, you know, more nuclear bombs than anybody and drone program and all sorts of things. Um, and, and, and more more importantly, we're willing to use it. You know, we're, we'll kill Iranian generals when we feel like it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so so that that is not necessarily the Chinese approach. Um, but because there's a sort of battle for the Pacific that's kind of going on right now, the Biden administration has not changed at all its approach from the Trump administration. Not at all. That it is ever so gently beating those war drums with China. Um, And while the Trump administration was like thundering about trade wars and stuff like that, um, when it came down to when they actually met, uh, you will recall that Trump would always walk it back and be like, oh, yeah, she's a really great guy. And yeah, know, totally. we had a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, totally. it was all wonderful. And so was Kim Jong-un. You know, so they, all, all that would happen, right? Um, whereas the Biden administration's actually, I think, more forward. Um, and bringing in people like Samantha Power, 
who can lull you to sleep and a sense of complacency with their language of morality and humanity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, while also um, you know sharpening their blades behind their backs uh, is in a, in a way more dangerous um, and that's that's why I think her coming back to Washington into a position of power um, is is dangerous I mean when all you're reading is Biden administration says the biggest threat is China it's not it's not Iran it's not North Korea who's actively launching missiles to the moon <laughs> it's China who has not made an aggressive warlike um, uh, assault against us it's all economic and cyber but we're doing that to them that's fair it's terrifying because what what is the end goal here a conflict really okay we couldn't we couldn't stomach 9-11 in this country where 2,000 people and one and two buildings went down you know there's people living in Syria and in, in Iraq where a building how about a city goes down in a day yeah. a couple days a couple weeks you you really that's what you want because guess what this is not Iraq <laughs> this is China and they've got a very good military great technology the last thing Chinese citizens want and the last thing American citizens should want is any form of direct conflict with them when, when speaking of the military it should be all diplomacy uh, at this point, I mean, because when you get into the, when you get into the talk about a war with China, you're 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 kind of talking about potentially the end of humanity. This is the thing that's I find just and you couldn't you stomach know, a pandemic. Like we've we're old enough to have lived through the end of the Cold War, right? Yeah. So that that it's moved from the Soviets to right. the quote unquote terrorists. To now it's the Chinese, right? That there's always this sort of looming existential threat um, that that becomes the argument for the American citizens to to not think, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because because enemy. I think that's the end game is that just don't think about it. We're going to take care of this for you, and and that's why our Pentagon budget is you know seven hundred forty trillion and or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, and why some of you can't eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah, we still can't protect the capital. Um, but um, the 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 logic of fear is so useful, mm. right? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's so useful um, for a governing power, and and it seems like it's become part of um, the American style of governing. Sure. Right. That there, there's always this, you know, yes, we have these problems at home, but, but look at this outside existential fear. So we don't have to take care of, you know, we don't have to take care of all of these sort of really horrific problems that are festering in our own society. If you just look outside, because you know, the, what the, you know, what the real problem is, it's the Chinese, right? (laughs) And, 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 and that argument is, going to be used over and over again to but, punt but this has been what they've these been doing since since the civil war this is what they've been doing this I know. Is the, the mexican-american war is bogus it was to, to, to try to take over mexico and nothing to do with a threat from mexico this is what we do this is panama this is <laughs> this is everything everything we do it's it's with the exception of the world wars which I, i'm willing to to sit here and say, yeah, we should have gone and fought Hitler. 
That was probably a good thing. Um, well, that was only because the Japanese attacked us. We 100%. were like, now let's not fight Hitler. 100%. <laughs> Whatever it was, the bottom line is that kind of restraint where there are Jews being murdered, but we're like, not yet. No one's attacked us. That's a good thing. Restraint's a good thing when you're talking about a fucking war. I think they should have obviously, as soon as Hitler's taking, you know, invading Paris and wherever, we should have been there. But how do we not, if we can show restraint then, where you have literally a lunatic invading European countries, right? You had restraint then. But now it's like we're beefing up because China's building some islands in the, in the, in the in the sea and it's well, like I, we're beefing up and we're we're ready for all out war we attack every we, we're droning people throughout the middle east there's no restraint here because i i think that's where the the power political context very different right for sure so, so that that the united states after world war ii is much more powerful than any european power mostly because you know they also have the bomb at that point but but also because World War One and World War Two are basically one gigantic European civil war where they yeah. bloodied themselves so much that their empire started crumbling and they were no longer these world powers, right? So the United States sees itself, and then of course the same the Soviets, right? And then that becomes the thing. But once the Soviets are defeated um, or implode, they, the United States has been on this drunk on triumph triumphalism. Right, that we are the number one power. The world power. It's going to be like this forever. I can't believe it. Oh my God! Look on the horizon. It's China, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, like, oh my, uh, the the, yeah. the sky is falling, yeah. right? You know. And let's bring in Samantha Power to fix it. Um, so bring in Kissinger. Bring him back. He did <laughs> well, a good job. Look, you might as well bring in yeah, Hillary Clinton. I, that, bring in all these people. They've done that, such a great this job. This is the crew. This is the you know the so-called the, the blob in the in, bomb in, squad in Washington. Yeah, the goon squad. Um, that you know, I don't know. Um, it's it's a depressing uh, shift, and I hate like on the rare occasions when I agree with Rand Paul. Um, I know, Stupid but Rand Paul. you know, with regard to. You know, endless war abroad. He's right, hundred um, percent. And actually, with mass incarceration, he's right too. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, that's what we got right now. So, just something to look out for. Samantha Power. It's a name who's it's going to come up again. Um, <laughs> if there's another bombing campaign uh, down the pipe, um, her fingerprints are going to be on it. Terrifying. the old days of just us being afraid of Russians. <laughs> I could live with that. Rocky. Just, you know, Red you know, Dawn, like, you know. just you know, Hunt for Red October. Those are yeah, great movies. You yeah, know, like, w know. why can't we just stick with Russians and, and Americans pretending the other, the worst people in the world and, should, and, and never fighting? Can we just do proxy wars through movies? Can exactly. Just do that? Yeah. yeah. I think they're actually doing that in China where, like, they have these movie, propaganda movies now where they just fucking whoop the shit out of the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Well, all right. Samantha Power sucks. T-shirts are going to be available. Yes, yes, yes.
right? We should do it. It'd be great if we got sued by her. <laughs> be our claim to fame. People start knowing about us. Yeah. We need to get sued by somebody. I start spreading yeah. rumors. Yeah, the real problem from hell. So exactly. All right, man. Well, I guess next week we'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. I right. think so. All right, man. Well, no politics at the dinner table is produced by Amit Prakash. Tunes by our very own G. Baderoy. Um, check out our website. It's up. It's live. It's got a facelift. It's fun. Yeah. You know, it's, you can like looks good. Click on different tabs. Yeah. Check out all the things that we like. Yeah. Uh, check out all the books that we talk about. Different, yeah. Different different guests we've had on. All of that. Um, our bios are redone, so if yeah, you, want, you want done. to know more about us, you know, it's there. Um, and then don't forget about the Substack, the newsletter. Uh, yep. We're putting out that, that out every week. Uh, Share sign it with up. people. Send it to people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got some more sign-ups, so that's a good thing. So And rate us on iTunes. Yes. But only click please. the five. If you that's don't want right. to click the five, yeah. don't, don't rate us on iTunes. Absolutely not. And if, by the way, if you made it to this part where you're listening to this, then you're probably going to rate us a five. I think so. All right, man. We'll see you next week. See you next week.